Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat. My name is Sean Benson, and I'm one of your hosts. So excited for tonight. I'm back in Toronto. It's 8.30 p.m., my time, Eastern Standard Time, and I can't wait to get into this chat tonight with our guests. Uh, I've been lucky enough to train virtually with them for some weapon stuff, and uh, I can't wait to get to know them better and, and find out what's really going on. They said something great earlier when we were in the pre-chat about how you know, we've all kind of gotten to know each other, even if we haven't met yet. And uh, we've all become Facebook friends and all that kind of thing. And by we all, I don't just mean our guests tonight. I mean, so many of you watching, and it means the world to us that you keep tuning in and that we just keep building this community and, you know, COVID, it's all this weird stuff, but we're just pulsing through it as a growing mass of martial artists who have connected. It, it, I just love the way, uh, way you said that. And um, I'm super excited for that. And I'm also super excited every week to introduce Sensei Nicolas Suino, who is an eighth dan in Iaido. He's a sixth dan in Jiu-Jitsu, a sixth dan in Judo. And we talked about this last week, you know, again, for all the actual hours we've spent in person together, which isn't none, uh, but this, this online year and, and a bit has really made us close. And, and I feel like you're one of the most special people in my life. And I, you know, I normally like to talk about one of your books, one of the nine books you've written or your travels to Japan or, or fundamentally the fact you're literally a world renowned uh, martial artist, both as a sword man and as a, a judo player. But all I can say tonight is how absolutely sad I am. I didn't know until five minutes before this call when I was chatting with Sensei Dofan that, you know, more border restrictions mean the crucible is going to be a really tough thing for us. And that actually genuinely hurt because uh, I found out about some work. And the first thing my girlfriend asked me is, oh my God, that means you're gonna get to go to Michigan because the dates of the work are later. And uh, I'm so sad about that. So I just wanna say that to you, Sensei Suino, is that I'm so looking forward to seeing you the first chance we get. And I'm so sorry it's not gonna be in a week. How are you doing tonight? Uh, doing good, doing good. Yeah, it was uh, uh, it, uh, hard news to hear that. Uh, the US is, is uh, not gonna let Canadians in other than for essential business. Uh, at the soonest, uh, August 21st, we were going to do our crucible on the 31st of, of July. And I was super looking forward to it. Um, you guys are important enough to the experience that I am 90% sure I'm going to postpone the event uh, just because I had it in my head that, you know, you guys would be there and you were going to be part of the part of the training. So I haven't decided yet, but I, uh, uh, I think I probably have decided. I just I just haven't announced yet. Uh, I think we're going to postpone it till sometime in the fall. I really want to make this make this uh, this this work. But thank you for the introduction, yeah. Sean. You, um, it's it's wonderful to be introduced by you on a on a weekly basis. It's way above my pay grade, and uh, someday I'll figure out a way to repay you for it. Mm. You do every time. <laughs> it's, it falls to me to introduce Sensei Randy Dofan. Most of the people on the call know him, uh, but you know that he is has been studying legacy Shorin Rukarate with uh, Hanchi Gary Legacy, who of course is always on this call as well. Since 1989, um, he's a student of, of Hanchi Legacy's at mine, uh, seventh dan in, in Shorinru Karate, Yondan uh, of recent vintage in Miso Jikiden HMU uh, under my, under my uh, auspices, um, and just a, an exceptional martial artist in every way. And as I was thinking about uh, some of the things that we've done together over the years, uh, it, it has always struck me that that when we are training in an environment where there are other senior instructors, whether that be Hachi Legacy or some of the great Canadian instructors I've met, or over in Japan with Yahagi Sensei uh, or Nobetsu Sensei, who are really exceptional Japanese martial arts guys that have been involved for 
you know, 60, 70 years at the highest levels. Uh, Elaine Michaud from uh, France who came over to my dojo. Every single time when uh, Randy's in the room, there's this recognition by all of the senior uh, instructors that he's a martial artist to be reckoned with. Right. And they know that instantly when he walks in and they are no less convinced of it at the end of the time we train together. And that's pretty high praise. Um, uh, and certainly I recognize it as well. Randy, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. And thank you. That's a really nice introduction. I really appreciate it. Um, most of the time, I, if I've been with you, I've been on the floor with you and Dan Holland. So I'm usually like the number three guy they're recognizing. So, <laughs> so, so thanks so much for that. And I'm with, if I'm with Sense of Legacy, there's probably like, I'm probably like the number four or number five guy that they're recognizing. But one thing I want to say is I'm happy to be recognized with that group of people. That's the group of people that I want to be recognized with. Um, so thanks so much, Sense of Sino. And uh, yeah, let's talk about the Crucible before you cancel it and figure out if there's something we might not be able to do like in both locations, because while I was super discouraged when I figured that out, I'm still trying to figure out a path forward. And, you know, I'd rather do it in person. If you wanted to, if you wanted to reschedule, I, I'd super support that. But, but if you don't want to reschedule, let's figure out something where we can still keep doing it together um, somehow. So thank you so much for that, Sensei. I, uh, Honestly, I miss you. Like I've seen Sensei Legacy. I've seen uh, Sensei Sean Benson. You're the one that right now that is an important figure in my life who I have not been able to see now for going on two years, which is unprecedented in my relationship with one of my instructors. And I, I don't, I just don't like it. It's very uncomfortable feeling. Um, but doing this show together makes it a little more comfortable. I'll tell everybody that when this idea came up and I remember we had this meeting uh, and we had this path forward and <laughs> I remember saying to Sensus Reno, okay, so we'll plan to do this like in six weeks or a month. And he said, absolutely not. We're gonna plan to do this next week. Yeah. And, <laughs> that's, and, and then it happened next week. So that's the kind of guy that Sensus Reno is. And, uh, I'm really grateful for that. So I am always excited to introduce Hanchi Legacy and our guests of honor. Uh, tonight, it's the guests, plural, of honor. And so for Hanchi Legacy tonight, I'm going to remind everybody that he's a 10th degree black belt and a Hanchi. And he was in Shorinru and Hakusuru. And he was awarded that by his teacher, Anthony Sandoval. He is also a member of the Canadian Black Belt Hall of Fame. He's an author. And if you want this book, by the way, if you're watching this, please contact me. We can get you a copy. It's not a problem and you'll value it. Some of the best fighters out there have read it and sent messages in. People like Conroy Copeland have said, like, I learned so much from reading this book. So please, if you want it, don't hesitate to reach out. We'll get you a copy. But in addition to that, he's also been a student of Sensei Harold Warden. Uh, legend in Canada and in North America, uh, Sensei Benny Allen, also Sensei Richard Kim, and as I mentioned, uh, Hanchi Anthony Sandoval, and also he has a black belt from Sensei Suino in Iaido. Um, a couple of the things tonight when I was thinking about Sensei Legacy, one thing I want, Sensei Legacy is intensely loyal. If 
if uh, Sets Legacy says he has your back, he has your back. And you can depend on that at the highest level more than anybody for me. Like I tell him all the time, he's my number one call. If I need to call somebody, Sensei Legacy is my number one call. And I totally depend that he's going to be on his way if I call. Uh, he lives his life by a code. And unquestionably, he's lived his life by that code for over 50 years. Probably longer. I think he lived his life by that code before he was even a martial artist. Um, Sensei Legacy loves his family. And his family extends beyond his blood. So the people that he considers to be his family, he loves them intensely. Um, Sense of Legacy does what's right, not what's easy. And he's done what's right and not what's easy for over 50 years. Um, another interesting thing about Sense of Legacy is he thinks about people not just when they're in front of him, but he thinks about the people that are important to him when they're not in front of him. And that was really clear to me. I always knew that, but this week I've received many pictures. He's home with his family and I've been home with him, with his family. And I've been to many special places. And this week I've received many special pictures from him of just places that we've been together that have brought a flood of memories um, back to me. So he is also a person who epitomizes what it means to be a martial artist. And I don't think only in this time, but in all times, I think he epitomized what it means to be a martial artist. I'm going to leave you with a thought about Sense of Legacy, this whole punch kicker. Somebody give me a thumbs up if I'm still here. Yes? Okay, thank you, Sensei. So this punch kick choke chat thing, Send me a message if you wouldn't love to hear Sense of Legacy. If you, you wouldn't like to be in a room with Sense of Legacy while he was having a conversation with Miyamoto Musashi or Jigiro Kano or Sokan Bushi Matsumura. If I could have that, that would be something that I would really like to have is to be able to sit in a room and listen to Hanchi Legacy talk to Musashi, Kano or Matsumura. And that's my introduction tonight for Sense of Legacy. And next, I'm going to introduce Mike and Laura Swick, who run East Wings Budo Life Center and AWA. And I'm going to read uh, their mission statement that I found on Facebook, which is they want to help all our students improve focus, concentration, self-esteem, strength, both internal and external, learn a new skill, and increase self-discipline. Sensei Swick is a seventh dan, and Sensei Laura is a sixth dan in karate, gojuru karate. And they're both a third dan and a second dan in kabuto, and they are both have Kyoshi licenses. They have extensive training in karate and kabuto, and they train directly in Okinawa and with many other instructors. They also have extensive training in Shaolin Kung Fu. And I just want to make one note that very recently, Kyoshi Laura, she received her Kyoshi license from the Dai Nippon Butoku Kai, which is, that's not a small feat and congratulations on that. For me, some of the thoughts that come to mind when I think of them, really important is that they're traditional and they're classical. 
all the people who host this, we consider ourselves to be traditional martial artists and classical martial artists. And it's nice to have two people here tonight that consider themselves to be traditional and classical. I've attended a few seminars now with them virtually, both through World Martial Arts Live and also just their own personal seminars. Uh, Robert Slumsky and I did a size seminar with them and it was so good. They, one of the things that I find really interestingly is that they have such great chemistry and synergy when they teach together. It's not like, they just work so well together. In my mind, I'm not sure, I can only think of Hanchi Burkowski and Kiyoshi Manzo. I think that's the only other martial arts couple that I can think of that's higher ranking than the two of them. They're, they're for sure one of the highest ranking couples in Canada and probably in the world, I would say, um, which is amazing because no one of us is smarter than all of us. And two people who are higher ranking and really good has, have to be better than only one person. Um, a couple other things I just want to say is I think really highly of them. When we were in Capital Conquest when Hanchi Legacy was inducted in the Canadian Black Belt Hall of Fame, uh, my daughters came to me. Uh, my, two of my daughters are brown belt and one of them is a, is a second degree black belt. And they had the schedule and they said, who should we train with? And I said, you know, train with Wally Sloki. I listed a bunch of names and I said, definitely get to Kiyoshi Mike and Laura Swick's class. You definitely want to train with those two people. And they did, and they loved it. My daughters came back and they they were so happy about that. They also trained Hanchi Legacy's grandson. And I mean, the highest praise you can give a person is to have your family uh, training with them. They keep really good friends, right? So they, they train actually, they teach their classes in the same tojo that Johnny Terrio teaches his classes and Hanchi John Terrian teaches his classes and strength and conditioning coach Greg Pollock teaches his classes in the same building. That's a pretty good team. Like if you could go to one place and train with Mike and Laura Swick, Johnny Terrio, Hanchi Terrian and Greg Pollock, that's a draw for you to get yourself to. And the last thing I want to say tonight is, uh, a former guest, a student of Sense Legacies and a good, like one of my best friends, Kiyoshi James Freeze messaged me and said, Randy, I got a friend moving to Ottawa. And they, like one of my students is moving to Ottawa and I really, I need a place for them to train. Do you know where they should train? And I said, not only should they train in this place, but they should train with Kiyoshi Mike and Laura Swick because and you should have them log on tonight because they'll learn a lot about their future senses that they're going to be going to. And, you know, the highest praise you can give somebody is to recommend somebody to go to their guidance and take them in and lead them down this path. And tonight, that's my, my introduction for Kiyoshi Mike and Laura Swick. And I'm so excited to be chatting with them tonight. That's awesome. Thank you, Sensei. I'm just going to do some quick housekeeping for everybody. Uh, first and foremost, there's a question button at the bottom. It's the chat button. And the fact that you're logged in live with us, I know some of you will be watching on the YouTube, and I want to talk about that in a sec. But if you're here on Zoom, we want you to be a part of this living history we're creating. So drop into the chat button, ask your questions. And uh, Robert, who's running the scenes tonight, he's just popped up a little thing. So you should all have the red notification at the bottom. Drop in a good question. If it's a shit question, we won't see it or care about it because Robert won't send it to us. <laughs> if it's a great one, we can't wait to ask our guests. Uh, also, 
you know, uh, I'm being glib with the language, but I'm not. We're all adults here. And if you don't like what's being said, um, there's no baby monitor filter for this. So you can either turn it off or you can grow the fuck up. Um, I have fun doing this every week. Um, but in any case, the other thing I do want to talk about, and Robert mentioned this to me, is that we do have the YouTube channel up and running. And some of you are watching through that probably right now. And one of the little ways, if you want, that you can help us out is go subscribe to that. Smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. We're growing a little thing here. It's for fun and for free. If no guests wanted to come and do it, we would still, the four of us, get together and have these chats, I promise you. Uh, but the fact that it gets to be more than that, help us grow it. Throw a little like or subscribe on that YouTube channel. We'd really appreciate it. Now back to our meet. Kyoshis, how are you tonight? I'm gonna have a lot of fun, by the way, letting you decide who's gonna answer and in what order. <laughs> <laughs> Fight might break out. No, 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 we're doing great. How are you guys? We're fantastic. Uh, how do you like hearing that that intro from from your colleagues and 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 your and your co teachers around uh, around the province? Um, yeah. Wow. I I feel like that's a lot to live up to. Um, thank you so much. We're beyond honored to have been asked to participate in this. Thank you. Yeah, and kudos to you guys for doing this and. And you know, documenting history and and you know, the really the pioneers of martial arts in Canada and and the U.S. And uh, I hear you have uh, some other special guests coming in the near future. So that's that's the idea. Is we're just going to keep this rolling. I don't see any end in sight for us, and we're so happy you're here too. Um, so let's start. Where I know you've watched some of the episodes. You you know, I like to start here, which is you know, let's start with you, Kyoshi Laura. Um, what brought you into your first dojo? What was it like being you growing up leading into that time? And what kept you there? So I started martial arts as, as a child. And when I, was, when I was in elementary school, I was very small, very shy. I mean, beyond shy. I probably didn't open my mouth in school until about grade six. Uh, and I was so shy and I was... I was bullied and my parents felt they had to do something. And I grew up in a, a fairly strict home, fairly uh, conservative home. And uh, my father one day said, Laura, you're joining karate. And I said, yes, dad. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the rest is his history. I tried it once uh, without any desire on my part. I had, I had zero interest. It was not something that I even in my, in the scope of things I was interested in, but I tried the class and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Oh. And I, then I never missed a class and a couple classes later, my dad joined and then it became something that we did together, uh, which was fantastic. And uh, my dad will always say that I was the one, you know, poking him. Hey, dad, get off the couch. It's time to go to karate. Let's go. <laughs> and um, then later, uh, my father actually took over the, the dojo. Really? It, uh, became a family business. And um, it was my, my father and myself teaching most of the most of the classes. And then through a large seminar symposium in Toronto when I was um, a teenager I met this guy uh. 
And uh, we then started dating and I moved to Ottawa for university. And then that's how Eastwind Martial Arts became once I moved to Ottawa. That's amazing. Yeah, I, yeah, I was really curious how somebody as young as you, Kiyoshi Laura, met somebody like Kiyoshi Swick. Like I was really curious, like this age differential because you look so much younger than <laughs> <laughs> I really like you. <laughs> hey, just getting um, started. <laughs> I, I, want, <laughs> I want to crack one of those things you said open though, right at the beginning. So you said yes to be dutiful. It sounds like that's part of how you grew up. And then you went to the class, no interest of your own. What was it? What was in that first class that made you go, oh, not only am I doing this, I'm literally going to drag my dad into it and make it a lifelong thing. Wow, uh, no one's ever asked me that question specifically. Um, I really liked that I could work at my own pace, right? It's different than being on a team sport. I was way too shy for a team sport, right? Because you have to communicate with your teammates. But karate, you're lined up and you follow the instructor and you do what the instructor says. And it became something that I really excelled at. I kind of discovered that I was very athletic and I was very strong. And this was a way to get better and stronger. And my confidence just grew. So I think it was that I could, I could be my own person. I could work individually. But then, of course, you're still making lots of friends. And my, my world just opened up that way. Love that. Um, Kyoshi Mike, what, what, what brought you into your first dojo and what kept you there? Um, well, I was, I guess the opposite. I mean, I always, I always loved uh, the Bruce Lee movies, right? And, and fighting and uh, I had a brother and, you know, we'd always fight and it's just kind of my nature. Um, so you know, it was the Bruce Lee movies. And then, you know, after you see one of those, you're making your own nunchucks in your garage with your dad's tools, right? <laughs> Must have done that. <laughs> and then, um, so where I was, we were in, uh, my dad was in the Air Force. So we lived all over. At that time, we were in Europe and we were just moving to uh, Alberta, Canada, Cold Lake, Cold Lake Alberta. And uh, my, when I moved there, you know, I was making new friends over, all over again. And one of my friends was uh, going to a judo club. And he invited me along and I went and I loved the, I loved the judo. Uh, I loved the, the discipline, I think, in the, you know, the martial arts, mm -hmm. even though I was a kid our sensei was quite serious. And uh, I think I fell in love with that. Um, and then my brother, so I did judo for about a year. And then my brother, he went to try a karate class and I wasn't gonna let him learn anything I wasn't learning. So I went with him and he quit a week later and I stayed in it. Now it's Shotokan karate. So I was doing judo after school and then I'd come home, my mom would drive me to, to karate. And uh, it was awesome, it was really good. Um, and like way up in Cold Lake, Alberta, my judo instructor was a blue belt. 
Mm. And once in a while, a lady would come in who was a brown belt. And she competed in one of the Olympics. So that was, that was cool. Um, but when I went to this karate club, he was a black belt. So, so that was like, just as a kid, you know, I'm a me, I'm just, my mind's blown. And I remember uh, just off on a little tangent, we go to a judo tournament and we would run and there's like, we, I don't know, it was Edmonton or Fort McMurray or some big town. And there was all these black belts, but they had these red and white belts. So we were little kids. We'd run up, we'd try to touch the red and white belt and then run away <laughs> without them catching us. We'd probably get thrown if we got caught. But the karate was also full of discipline. And I liked the fact that everything had to be precise. If you were off by one centimeter, it was wrong. So to, to strive to get every punch or kick or block exactly perfect, I liked, I liked that. Um, from there, my dad got posted to Ottawa and like I was 13 or 14 when we moved to Ottawa and uh, was supposed to go to the Shotokan Club downtown, but we lived out in Orleans in the suburbs and I wasn't, my mom wasn't going to let me take the bus. She wasn't going to drive me downtown. So I had to find a club that was closer to our house. I could and I did. I found one I could just bike to. And that was a, a Chitoru club. Uh, and that club belonged to uh, an organization called the YKKF, run by Ron Yamanaka Sensei. And that club hosted him for a seminar. And he, he came and and I was in awe, you know, it was, I was just a kid, but this guy was like a, my, my idol. And from there he did go drew. And from there we, we, uh, I started to study go drew. And then anyway, we had a, I left that one dojo, went to another dojo. And then from there it was, it was go drew all the way. So let me break open another thing with you as well, a bit like I did with Kyoshi Laura, which is what was it about him? What, what, you know, you were in awe. What, when, when, when you're, when you're putting yourself back at that age, what were you seeing? What were you feeling? Uh, it, well, he was, you know, he's Japanese and, and uh, he was so, so like strict. He, you know, his face was so serious and that's what I loved. I loved the seriousness about it. And, and, uh, you know, it, it's just his demeanor. It was, it was very like, he was like Mr. Miyagi almost, you know, and I'm a 14 year old kid and wow, that's, that's Mr. Miyagi, you know, like, so anyway, I spent my summers going to Toronto and sleeping in the dojo and did that for a couple of years. Uh, you know, I think the first year I did that, I, Maybe I saw him once and then did that for a couple years. And then we got to uh, become personal students. And then we ended up staying at his house and, and uh, training with him. And 
it was one of his events that we met at in Toronto, one of his uh, winter camps, one of the symposiums that he held every year. And was the goju, was finding that the impetus to let go of the judo or did you keep that going? Say that again? When you found the goju, did that kind of make you let go of the judo or did you keep the judo going during that time? So I, um, I had to let it go because, yeah, so going back a few years, I was doing judo, karate, and jujitsu all at the same time. And my mom was just going nuts, driving me all over. Plus, <laughs> right. plus I had homework. I had to get my homework done. So she said, pick one. <laughs> so I picked the karate. I thought it was more practical for self-defense. Um, but then when we met Sensei Yamanaka, you know, he also did jujitsu and, um, you know, a lot of throws, a lot of, uh, did our break falls and our ukemi waza. And uh, so with him, you know, he did, he did the goju plus he did his jitsu and uh, Shaolin Kung Fu. So we, he was kind of like the whole package for us. You know, one of the things that keeps coming up for me on this show with the older martial artists who we have on, and I mean, especially, you know, the ninth and 10th dance from the sixties and, and forward is, how many people were fundamentally cross-training martial arts back then through often a judo and a karate, through a wrestling and, you know, all that kind of thing. And, and, and I find that so amazing that so much of our modern day martial arts already has that built in just through the fact that people in the 60s and 70s were combining those. Sensei Suino, what, what are your thoughts on that whole, you know, judo was such a way in for so many people that it, it feels like it underpins a lot of martial arts right now. Yeah, how, you know, how common a theme that is that we've heard from, so many of our guests that they started in judo and then branched out to some some remained in judo um i think it's a great martial art for kids to get into it builds it builds a really supreme body awareness and um yeah I, it's i think the way judo is taught too I, I don't know what other people's experience has been but uh, my experience in judo is an incredibly open martial art so mm -hmm. You know, it's still to this day. You, if you still, if you know judo, you can go to any do, you know, any judo dojo on the planet virtually and just jump in and train. And you know, you know, you belong there. Um, and and you know, I'll liken it to this. You know, when I went, when I first started doing karate, a little bit later, uh, that was in the bad old days of you don't train anywhere but but here, right? You know, every other dojo sucks. This is the this is this is this is the secret place, and you just train here. Um, and that was a big contrast to my experience in judo, which was, Hey, we're having a good time. Let's learn. And if you're doing something else, nobody cares. Yeah, I really hear that. And, and, I, and I do find that cause you know, traveling with grappling tends to be much easier than trying to negotiate the language of what do you consider contact when sparring? I mean, that's a really, that takes years to develop with someone that trust. Um, so, so before, before we jump back to, to year two's meeting, I just wanted to ask you, what, what are your thoughts about that in, in today's MMA climate? Uh, we'll start with you, Kiyoshi Mike, about that, like judo meets karate meets classical martial arts. Like where do they blend and where is MMA its own thing? Um, yeah, I think, well, just from what you're saying there, I think we've been doing mixed martial arts long before it was called mixed martial arts, right? Because mm. people started in judo and, and then 
did karate and then picked up a bow and did some kobudo and stuff like that. But I think judo and karate pair well together because, you know, judo has the grappling and the throws, whereas although older karate does have that, it's not taught in modern day karate, right? Like the, a lot of the bunkai for, for karate katas involve throws and takedowns, and, but it's not taught. But it is taught right away in judo. So I think they, I mean, it's a good combination to have. Um, and maybe that's why people, you know, they, maybe they started in judo. Maybe it was, uh, as uh, Sensei Suno was saying, maybe it was easier to enter a judo dojo. They didn't feel as intimidated because because it was more open. Then they build up the confidence in judo They go to the karate dojo. <laughs> they're good pair they're a very good couple together because of the different uh ranges each one uses well moving around with you sensei suino i know they're a damn good combo jesus um yeah. <laughs> so kiyoshi laura let's let's jump into some romance here uh some martial arts romance you you are a teenager you're at a seminar you you, you don't realize you're about to meet your <laughs> your lifelong partner how does no. that unfold and, and talk about that as much or as little as you like. This is about you and your martial arts, but this is such a wonderful opportunity to talk about both. Well, um, I was really excited to 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 travel to to Toronto to this big symposium. So I was a brown belt. I was seventeen from Napanee, so a, a small town. Know yourself. Now. You don't feel like any. Oh. <laughs> okay, what's this for? Uh, and I was very excited and I was taking this trip with my dad. So we were traveling to Toronto. We were going to stay in a hotel, uh, you know, and get to train with, uh, you know, Sensei Amanaka, of course, was teaching. He had many, many teachers there. He had brought uh, a master over from uh, Japan. He had brought the, the master from Japan to Napanee for a seminar and then was hosting him at this big symposium. So I was very excited. Uh, that, was, was, uh, that was Kunyuki Kai Sensei. And... Uh, uh, and who demonstrated Aido, uh, Jiu-Jitsu, uh, Goju, of course, um, absolutely fantastic. So I loved training uh, the seminar in Napanee. I was so excited to go to Toronto and learn more Goju. So uh, Master Kai was teaching uh, the Kata Seipai. And I was a brown belt and it was there beside my father and it was uh, my father myself, uh, Mike, and then the uh, instructor, Albert Etier, that Mike was training at his dojo. So we were, we were in the front row and we started to learn this new kata and it was new for, for all of us. And I was um, just tunnel vision mm. with the master. I was very focused. I wanted to learn. I was working hard. Uh, but then, you know, sometimes there's some downtime in a seminar, you, you, you know, you get a break, you know, so my dad and I are working and then someone beside you says, oh, what did you do after this move, right? So then you kind of talk and uh, I'm not paying any attention to who is talking or asking me a question or anything like that. So at the end of the seminar, um, my dad 
and myself and Mike and Albert just all kind of chatting a little bit after the seminar. Oh, wow, wasn't that fantastic? That was great. And then he looked at me and he just kind of reached out and touched me and he said, can I call you at your hotel room? <laughs> and then the, the blinders, blinders went off. It's like, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> um, and, so you uh, both had tunnel vision. You both had tunnel vision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I wasn't paying attention to uh, romance as you said it I, I was really tunnel vision on on martial arts and uh, um, I, I was like that all through my teenage years mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes uh, I get asked out by somebody else and they you know I'm 15 16 they say oh you know want to go to a movie I said sure you can pick me up at at karate after class and uh, sometimes they wouldn't do that. They were too scared. So I never wanted anybody like that. They're too mm -hmm. scared to even come in to a, to a karate dojo to pick me up. Uh, and then my, uh, my dad would tease me at home saying, you know, and I'd be like, oh, dad, you know, you're going to embarrass me. And he's like, no, you can date, you know, whatever. They have to come to the house. And I'm like, oh, no, dad, you're going to totally embarrass me. He says, I won't say anything. He said, I'll just open the door and I'll be wearing my black belt. <laughs> so I found a black belt. <laughs> yeah, but you know what trumps a black belt? A shotgun. <laughs> I got the shotgun. <laughs> like in that closet behind Sensusuino right now, over his right shoulder, there's a shotgun, right? Allegedly. That, Allegedly. That <laughs> um, so, Kiyoshi, Laura, I want to I, I ask you a question, and I, I want to go right at something. You know, here you are, you and your dad are, are, are fundamentally going to end up running a club together, and you're in a fundamentally male-dominated art at the time, especially. Mm -hmm less so these days, but it's always a thing. And was there any part of you that was like, I don't know if I want to blend my martial arts with another human's martial arts, or was it something that was never an issue? Is that something you had to negotiate for yourself to stay on your own uh, autonomous path? Um, a little bit. Uh, I'm very, very fortunate because um, Mike has always been my biggest champion. So uh, he's never wanted to, uh, you know, I feel like we've never wanted to eclipse each other. We, we want to support each other. And uh, something one of you said earlier, you know, we're, we're stronger together, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how, that's how we feel is that we're, we're stronger, we're stronger together. We're not competing with each other. We're, we're traveling this path uh, together. And then of course, you know, coming from different backgrounds, you have to make your, make your way, but we always wanted to do that together. And that was really important to us. Right on, love that. And then I just want to ask you, and then, and then uh, Kyoshi might chip in as you like, where does that Shaolin Kung Fu fit in? And, and when you look at the, um, you know, the online impressions of Shaolin Kung Fu and the, the, the gentleman on the tips of spears or, taking the the hits that are real hard with people hoofing them is that accurate to what you've learned is that a bit of showmanship i'm really curious about that myself uh well our shaolin kung fu comes from uh sigong david chong in the ckk so he's uh from toronto been 
immigrated, came to Toronto uh, late 50s, started up the CKK in 1962. And we learned uh, um, the Shaolin system from Sensei Amanaka originally we started. And then uh, we started to learn like Sensei would bring in Sigong, David Chong for seminars. And then uh, we started learning directly from him. Um, the Shaolin Kung Fu was, you know, softer, more flowing. And we found that really helped our karate, our mm. karate being less rigid than, than Japanese karate. The Okinawan karate is a little more fluid, but the Shaolin Kung Fu was even more fluid. So it helped us uh, become more fluid, more relaxed, and that helped our karate. Um, we did, we did demonstrations with uh, Sensei Amanaka where, you know, he'd put the spear in the throat and the other end on the ground and he would bend it to touch the ground. Uh, you know, we broke boards over our, our arms and our legs and yeah, we, it was more showy stuff. I think it was what really kind of like breaking boards in karate. It's not something that you really practice every day, right? It's a, that's something that you kind of bring out for a demonstration. Yeah, it's good for demonstration, but we don't train for that. The result of our training will make our arms and legs stronger and that'll in effect break the board, we hope, yeah. or the two by four or the two by two or whatever we're doing. Not two by fours, it was, they were smaller than that. <laughs> Um, so but I want to start demonstration, yeah. but true, they, it, it, it was part of this, it was the result of the training with, with, uh, Seagong David Chong. And was that an overt chi training or was that a body training almost like a goju, but in a different way? Like, is that a, was, was there a specific we're training chi now, or was it more, we're training our bodies to take these blows? So both, uh, Sensei Amanaka, both Sensei Amanaka and David Chong, uh, Sigong did some chi training. Um, cool. You know, we did iron palm and still do iron palm training. Um, the E King King, where he had uh, 10, 10 or 12 exercises on developing the chi, different postures to open up the the body the and yeah, align the chakras mm -hmm. and get the energy to flow. It was yeah, really interesting. And yeah. uh, we, we love martial arts. We want to learn everything. There's mm. just not enough hours in the day. <laughs> right. Amen. You know, we were young. We were, <laughs> we were like 17, 18, 19, 20, no, early twenties. And we just wanted to learn everything and, and all at once. Yes. <laughs> Um, so I'd like to throw it to you, Hanchi Legacy, uh, to, to comment as much or as little as you'd like about Sensei Yamanaka. I'm pretty sure you have some history there. Yeah, I'm good friends and respect him very much. I got my fifth dan in his dojo. They had uh, Ver, uh, Master Veresta come from uh, Iran uh, to grade me and had a very memorable grading in that dojo. 
Cesar Bukowski was the referee. Uh, the other thing, I, yeah, um, Laura, I just, for history's sake, could you tell me who your first sensei never mentioned his name? Or I missed it. So, yeah, so uh, the sensei at the Napanee Karate Club at that time was Dennis Tompkins. And uh, the Napanee Karate Club was part of the, the YKKF under Sensei Amanaka. So when uh, Sensei Dennis Tompkins stopped uh, training, my father took over the dojo and we ran the dojo, but I was traveling to Toronto to train with Sensei Amanaka. Um, so what I'd like to do too is throw a question to Hanshi Legacy and then to Sensei Dofa in that order. And just, you know, um, Kyoshi Mike talked about the idea of like, you know, starting with the Shotokan and the Goju and then going, you know, the Kung Fu, the soft helping the karate. And Hanshi, I know you started with some Goju and even in the, you know, the early days for me of our shore and root time was much more rigid until you met Hanshi Sandoval. So do you want to talk at all about the importance of soft and karate? Well, the yin and yang, and as we understand, karate is, is harder. But when you throw an actual karate punch, you should be loose, a lot like cracking somebody with a whip. Also, um, in martial arts, in my opinion, soft is hard, hard is soft, just simply because of uh, no resistance. So when you're throwing a karate punch, you're tightening your arm up somewhat, and it really slows you down a little bit. And if you throw a very loose, much like a, a hip throwing technique, um, it's, I believe in my opinion, it's very, very powerful. And as we get older, we can't always, uh, but we want good, hard, and so it helps persons my age to still pursue and learn martial arts. And then since it OFA, I mean, you joined a few years before me and, and those first five or eight years would have been pretty hard as far as I remember it. And then when we met the White Crane, and you wanna add anything to that or chat about that at all? Yeah, my perspective is slightly different, I think, than maybe yours, Sean. Like, when I think of Sensei Legacy, I don't think of a person who, like, traditional Japanese karate that, like, I I never watched Sensei Legacy throw a punch like that. Hi. And when he describes Benny Allen teaching him, he never describes Benny Allen throwing punches like that. And as a matter of fact, you can find three generations of pictures. There's a picture of Benny Allen standing in Sensei Legacy with, in the dojo where he's standing like this. And I've seen Sensei Legacy stand like that a bunch of times. And you actually took a picture of Sensei Legacy and I fighting once yep. where we were both standing like that. And your arms are not rigid in any way. Sensei Legacy always said, Pretend your arm, your fist is like a string, that your arm is like a string and your fist is attached to it. And you need to use your hip to move that, move that string, no muscle, just mm -hmm. relaxed. Mm -hmm. And if Sensei Legacy, I think if you go back and look at where we talked to him and he talks about Benny Allen hitting him or the one inch punches and things like that, it's not a muscular contraction, it's a relaxed type of a shot. Right. And so for me, from the day I walked into the dojo, that's the way I thought punching should be. Not right 
not an athletic thing, a relaxed kind of. Yeah. Well, with no false humility, it took me longer to hear that and listen. Um, by the way, it's already 20 after nine. So that means it is time, my friends, for the 10 questions. Now, we've never done 10 questions uh, with the two of you. So uh, I'm going to say ladies first, uh, unless there's a, a disagreement over there with rank, and I'll let you two sort that out. Um, as I always say, it's lovely if you can answer impulsively, but then feel free to expand on your answers if you wish. Um, so uh, I think this will probably work best if, if we just do the same question for, and then both answer before we move on. So let's have some fun with this. Uh, Kiyoshi Laura, what is the most effective move in your martial arts arsenal? Um, my confidence. I think uh, I think that's a that's a big that's a big part of anything in your life is to to be confident. Even sometimes when you don't feel confident, if you act confident, sometimes you get there. Mm. And um, I have been in a couple of tense situations, and just being confident is enough to diffuse the situation. Joshi Mike. I was going to say my legs for running away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, would, I would have to say confidence as well. And, you know, martial arts gave me the confidence to, you know, to keep my head high. And so many times you make eye contact with someone that diffuses the situation, you know, before it even starts. Not to right. be a cop, cat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Yoshi Laura, who is the most influential martial artist in your life? Mike, I guess. Uh, he's the one that I train with uh, the most. I've had amazing teachers uh, going to, to Okinawa. Uh, Miyazato Sensei, uh, Yasuda Sensei, Mine Sensei, Hechiya Sensei, Iha Sensei, so many people. But um, yeah, I, I, I think too, because we get to train together. There's a lot of influence there. Right on. Kyoshi Mike. Um, yeah, as Laura said, we've had many, many teachers in our lives and we still do. Like we're we we can learn from anybody. You know, if you keep the right mindset, you can learn from from your newest student on the mat. You know, I learn stuff from white belts. I walk in and and they, you know, they don't react like we're conditioned to react they react naturally the way and i learned something but i think for me the most influential person would i don't know might uh, well for me growing up it was certainly uh sensei ron yamanaka and uh you know he taught me a lot of a lot to do uh, or what to do and then he also taught me a lot of things not to do so, but he was the you know, when I first met him, I knew I was going to train with him for a long time. And we trained together for over 20 years. Uh, he, he, he wrote us the letter to go to Okinawa the first time and, you know, came with us the second time. And because uh, of him, we met. Yeah. Yeah. And because of him, we met. And so I would have to say Ron Yamanaka-sensei. Uh, Kyoshi Laura, who do you think is the most influential martial artist of all time and why? Of all time. Wow. 
Um, as a goju person, I would say Miyagi Chojin, um, the founder of our of our style. Uh, but uh, probably also Bruce Lee because he really brought martial arts to mainstream, uh, you know, North America, right? Kyoshimai? I would say, I, you know, I would have to say Bruce Lee as well. Overall, I think he was the, the man. I had those uh, garage made nunchucks too, and I know Sensei Hoban also did. <laughs> Kyoshi Laura, what excites you most about the next five years of your training? Uh, I'm really looking forward to what life is going to look like after Zoom, after COVID, uh, and also our our children are a little bit older. So traveling is a little bit easier or leaving them becomes a little bit uh, easier. Um, <laughs> a lot of years, uh, training was really difficult uh, because um, I, I, was, I was having babies and training for almost 10 years and I, I never mm. stopped training and that was really important to me, but it was a lot harder you know, when you were, you know, expecting or having a, a baby or a toddler and then a, another one and then another one and then another one. So I'm, I'm kind of excited. Our kids are a little bit older. So being able to, to, to travel and, and see people, see you live in person. Koshi mm -hmm. Mike. Uh, what was the question again? What excites you most about the next five years of your training? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, to get back into the dojo again, uh, also to travel. Uh, you know, we really have awesome students. Um, we can't wait to see them again. They've really stepped up stuff right now. And uh, I think we've gotten through this for the most part. Uh, you know, I'd say we're about 80% of the way through this, but sometimes the last 20% needs 80% uh, of your effort and focus to get through it. So. Mm. We're almost there, but we still have to stay focused and then things start opening up again. Um, yeah, we're, people are starting to book seminars, you know, in Italy and, you know, we're trying to get back to Okinawa again. So, so that, but uh, we're looking forward to getting back into the dojo and training with the students and actually doing partner drills and, mm. you know, Kobudo partner drills as well as karate self-defense partner drills oh, so excited for that like I mean, uh, you're saying that stuff to me and i'm like my heart is pounding saying it. <laughs> um kiyoshi laura if heaven exists what would you like god to say when you get there welcome mm. <laughs> i hope that's what that's the legacy says exactly <laughs> yeah kiyoshi mike yeah, welcome. Go put your gi on and Miyagi Chojin Sensei's teaching over, <laughs> over in ring one. And uh, then Sensei's over in ring two. <laughs> uh, by the way, in the interest of both rank and fairness, I'm going to flip this. So we're going to start with you, Kiyoshi Mike, for the last five. That way you don't be led with your answers. Uh, who's your favorite film and TV martial artist of all time, Kiyoshi Mike? Oh, I would have to say Chuck Norris, 
grew up with him too at you know delta force and uh one and two and those 80s movies oh, yeah. i'd say chuck norris joshi laura jackie chan Oh, yeah. I love Jackie Chan. Uh, I love the energy, the the different, the humor he would bring to uh, the movies, right? So uh, it wasn't always so serious, yeah. but, uh, you know, a lot of humor, but he was fantastic and he did all the stunts. I have this poster um, from like 20 years ago and it shows like every bone that he has been broken from all his stunts, right? And it's listed the movie and, and everything. And then I would go back and watch the movie and I'd be like, oh yeah, he was actually doing that with a cast with a rubber um, a glove over his foot. So it looked wow. like two and he was still running and flipping and kicking and doing all this stuff. So. Yeah. Oh, I'd love if you posted that poster. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I was you might, maybe you touched on this, but um Who's the uh, martial artist you'd want to train with the most living or dead in all time? Well, Miyagi Chojun. And uh, can I pick two? And Matyoshi Sensei. I was never, <clears throat> I never got to train with uh, Chimpo Matyoshi Sensei before he passed away. We've seen him demonstrate in 95 and 97, um, but never actually got to train with him, so. Right on. Joshi, Laura, who would you like to train with, living or dead? <laughs> I guess it's the same answers. Right. I really love to uh, to train with the, the founder of Goju. Miyagi Chojin is probably the top of the list. Uh, and with Matayoshi Sensei, very close second. Mm. Yeah. Joshi, Mike, if everyone in the world could have the greatest benefit you've gotten from martial arts, whether they train or not, what benefit would you be giving them? Confidence. I think, and uh, perseverance, you know, stick with things through. I, we find, uh, you know, so many, and you guys too, I'm sure in the dojo, people will join and, you know, they'll try it a couple, couple times, couple classes and quit, you know, but Hunchy John Terrian says, you know, and I've switched, I started saying this too, and people join, you know, you need at least three months, you join, the dojo for three months, you will know for sure if it's for you or not. <clears throat> you can't tell in three classes. So, you know, and 90% of the time people train and they'll give it a good shot three months and they'll stick with it. Love that. Kyoshi Laura, the greatest benefit you've gotten that you'd bestow upon everyone, whether they train or not. Uh, well, to love and be enthusiastic at what you love. Um, I love martial arts and yeah, just to be, to be enthusiastic, to be, to be positive, to be, to be loving. I think the world needs more of that. Love that. It's got some goosebumps. I, I always <laughs> say on this show, we're the lucky ones, uh, whether it's that we do martial arts or not, it's that we found something we love this much. Um, Kyoshi Mike, greatest achievement, greatest regret. I think the uh, greatest achievement is getting to Okinawa. And uh, biggest regret is not starting earlier, mm. not starting sooner, but hmm. you know, that's the best time to start. The second best time is <laughs> now, right? Or when you did, so. Joshi Laura, greatest achievement, greatest regret. So greatest achievement, 
I think has been raising a, a family while running a dojo and uh, teaching and, and training, bringing our kids up in the dojo. Uh, I think that's our, for, for me personally, but for both of us, I think that's our greatest achievement is. Can I change my answer? <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit it back in. <laughs> because we'll do a deep fake with her. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. There's not a lot of, uh, well, for me, there was not a lot of female uh, role models for martial arts out there when I, when I started. Uh, and then, you know, growing up, sometimes you would meet some, uh, some, some women, you, you know, your age or a little bit older that you could look up to and they would uh, have a baby and then they would stop training. And I never wanted to do that. I always wanted to keep training. That was so important to me. So I think that's probably the, the biggest uh, achievement. Uh, biggest regret. Um, I'll have to get back to you on that. I can't think of a, of a, of a regret. Right on. Um, so, you know, Kiyoshi, Laura, you're here as a martial artist, period. But you just said something I want to ask you about. As, as we, we, you know, haven't had quite as many women on the show. And I just want to ask you, what could you offer now that you're a role model? Let's say to, you know, some of the women watching who aren't sure how to navigate getting pregnant, the physical demands of that on the body. No one else on this call can speak to that. What, what would you say uh, are the obstacles and the way to get through them? I think you're in a unique position. Wow. Well, I mean, first and foremost, um, follow your doctor's advice. Okay, I was very fortunate. I was very strong and very healthy. And um, I would see my doctor regularly and my doctor would, would, would check and see, yep, you're still strong, you're still healthy. And the doctor would say to me, she would say, if you feel okay, then it's okay. Mm -hmm. If your body tells you that you're tired, you should rest. If you know, so if uh, so, speaking for uh, women martial artists who are maybe getting pregnant, if you are, if you're feeling good, then you should do it and don't worry about it. And if you don't feel good, then you should stop. Plain and simple. And I hope that helps. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it does. Thanks for that. Um, so I actually want to ask you both this, and then I want to throw it to Sensei Suino right after, but I, I would like to go around the horn with it. Um, how important is it? You mentioned uh, Okinawa, that being one of your achievements, uh, Kyoshi Mike. How important is it to go to that source? How important is it to, to go to the place it came from um, when we know that some of the best martial arts in the world are happening in North America? So, so if you want to start, and then Kyoshi, Laura, and then we'll throw it to Sensei Suino. Yeah, you're you're a hundred percent right. You don't have to leave North America to train with some of the best, with the best people in the world. Like, and that's something I've realized. You know, in my in my training, you know, I mean, even in in Canada, you could train your whole life and still not learn everything that people just in Canada have to teach, and then just expand that to North America. I gotta, you know, it's, you don't have to leave this continent to, to excel in, in traditional classical martial arts. But we were, we were told that, you know, if you wanted to really understand Okinawan martial arts, you need to go there and you need to um, be immersed in the culture. 
in the language, uh, meet the people, uh, hang out with the people, not only in the dojo, but after the dojo. You know, a lot mm. of us know that the real training happens after mm. class, right? There's training in class, but then the, the real training is after class when you go out for food and, and get to talk, uh, you know, a little less formally. But um, there's so many people now that in Canada that have been to Okinawa that can, you know, almost give you a, a yeah, give you everything you need, tell you about the culture, um, people speak the language. So, but to really, I mean, to get the, 100% culture, you need to go there. But I mean, in the 80s, we didn't have have all, you know, as many people that have been to Okinawa. Um, so that's why I, the push was to go. Yeah. But nowadays, you don't have to leave North America at all to get top world class training in classical Japanese martial arts. And you want to add Kyoshi Laura? Uh, well, I, I agree. I mean, Canada, has a world of talent right here. So uh, it's not necessary for, for training, but if you would like to immerse yourself uh, further, the culture, the language, the, the people, the music, you know, the art, uh, traveling to Okinawa is a fabulous experience. It, it really, really is. And it's good, to, it's good to have your eyes opened to different things. Mm. Uh, so somebody who lives in Canada uh, can teach you so many things, but then you learn different things when you actually travel and experience those things for yourself. So the learning is a little bit different from being taught uh, from somebody and then experiencing the same lesson, the exact same lesson, but experiencing it uh, in a different way mm. and to interpret that um, yourself. So it's not maybe so much about the actual technique or, or martial art, you know, prowess, as opposed to just deepening your understanding. I love that. Sensei Suino. And, and I want to add with you, Sensei Suino, just because of the language, you know, how important or how much benefit do you get by knowing Japanese? Yeah. Uh, boy, I, I'll tell you, honestly, I'm of two minds about this. I don't think you have to go to Japan to get great world-class technical training in, in martial arts. Um, but I go back to this term that Hanshi Legacy always uses as a classical martial artist. Um, there's a resonance to some of the folks who have been doing it over in Japan or Okinawa for you know, 40, 50, 60 years, who maybe have a long history in their family. Um, there's a level of, they live, eat, sleep and breathe the culture in a way that, that that maybe North Americans don't. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a modern American who has been doing martial arts for 53 years. Um, when I met my sword teacher, Yamaguchi sensei, right. It was, it was transformative because he was not just an incredible swords person. He had the gravity of his position of being in a place of, of culture that, that we don't, that we don't have. So, so absolutely, there are world-class, there's no question there are world-class martial arts instructors all over the all over North America. Um, but for me, there's still a special part of the, 
of the of the apex um among among some of the best instructors in japan i think they they still they still hold a really unique position Hanchi legacy anything you want to chat about with regards to that yes we uh i think i'd like to follow up a little bit about learning um, we owe a lot to the american military men because they're the ones who actually brought it back to the united states and the united states is uh a great resource for us. My sensei was, was uh, a military person. They, they brought it all back, partially because of the war. Okay, And uh, I guess I would say that uh, it's your roots, right? It's your roots. And I felt like it was um, a pilgrimage going back to see where it all came from. I, I knelt at Matsumoto's grave with Randy and choking up a little bit. But um, that's how I felt about it. If you love karate, you love everything about it. And um, when I ask my students to bow to the showman, and I, I explain to them that, you know, you have a sensei, but if these people hadn't sacrificed all their time, you wouldn't have it. So they're a lot like your grandparents. You know, if you, you explain to younger people, you, you learn most of your stuff from your parents, but your grandparents have a big role in your life. So to me, it was like a pilgrimage going back and finding my roots. Love that. And the irony, Hanchi, is you're one of the reasons why someone might not need to go because the equivalent of you didn't exist in the 70s or 80s and now somebody will be like i'm getting it all from him and it's like yeah but you still might want to visit your grandparents um sensei dofan so on a physical level i would say you do not need to go you absolutely do not need to go to japan you can stay in canada you can go in the united states you can be in germany you could be in belgium you could be in england you could be in france if you find yourself with uh, Sensei Mashad, you're going to learn amazing karate that you'd be happy in any time in history to learn from him. Uh, and, you know, Sensei Legacy said this lesson to me a long time ago. He said, if you took 10 people and sprinkled them across the face of the earth and they couldn't have contact with each other and you asked them all to come up with the 10 best techniques and then you brought them all back together again, probably seven or eight of them would be the exact same techniques. They would probably come up with seven or eight of the exact same things. Um, but outside of that, I would say what Sensei Legacy said, I wrote it all down here and then he just said it, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if I could say to you, Sean, I can take you to your 10 generations back to your family member's grave. Would you wanna go there? Yeah. in germany or in ireland would you yeah. want to go to that place in germany or in ireland right now right you'd say put me on the plane take me to that place i want to go where my family member is all of us have a martial arts history and when you go to japan when i saw sensei suino in the kodakan where jigiro kano was he was where his history had started when i knelt down with sensei legacy at matsumura's grave we were where our history started in karate. That's where we, we went to where our history started, right? Yeah. That's what I think. But I will tell you on a more lighter note, 
if you want great ramen or sushi, you won't find it anywhere in North America and you won't find it anywhere in Europe. You're going to have to go to Japan to find that. So, <laughs> um, you know, just for the viewers, I am the most uh, privileged person on this call because I get to ask questions of my martial arts betters and sit and get goosebumps from their answers. I just want to thank you all for that because I just got reinvigorated in a lot of ways. And that's one of the gifts of, you know, being the primary host through the question asking on this show. Um, so let me throw this to another. How important is it? And if you want to talk about your journeys with it, we'll start with you this time, Kyoshi Laura. Kabuto, you two are both Kabuto masters. I was lucky enough to do that Sai seminar when you offered that through Zoom. That was incredible. I still practice that kata and was lucky enough to be a part of that. And what Sensei Dolphin said is absolutely true. There wasn't just the plain, simple, deep instruction, but there was the synchronicity you both had as partners teaching. Um, how important is the Kabuto in your martial arts and how important do you generally find it to be for empty-handed practitioners? Uh, it's really important. Um, you have an expression about Kabuto being the Oh, cool. you, you say it better. Yeah, let's crack this open. No need to go one or the All other. Right. Let's just uh, chat. Well, we say Kabuto is karate's older brother. That's mm. the expression. But uh, another expression that uh, Sensei Neil Stolzmark uses, who's our Kabuto teacher, uh, says Kabuto does what karate can't. So, you know, it, it, I think what he, like, you know, as we were talking earlier, you know, there's two dojos, you, you know, you can't train together. You know, you, you, don't, you can't go train with that guy because he trains with this or he trains that style. Well, if you do Kabuto, you guys can train together, right? So it's kind of like that, I think. Kabuto brings, Kabuto does things that karate can't and vice versa. And on know? a physical level, uh, it really works your coordination and your right brain, left brain thing because both hands have to do things differently like really differently not just like karate where you're just pulling that hand back to chamber closed fist all the time right it having to manipulate the weapon differently and then you have to switch right away and you mm. usually find out oh i'm a little better at that with mm. my right hand than my left hand right so on a physical level it's so important and i i also like for uh, empty-handed martial arts so say for karate to if a Karataka understands a little bit about how the bow works or a sai, you know, that could equate to, a, you know, knife or a stick. So they would have a better idea on how to defend against a knife or a stick or whatever. If, so if you understand a little bit about how the weapon works, if you're ever caught, you know, being attacked with it, you'll understand a little bit more about how how you can defend it. And then another question yeah. I have. Yeah. You want to chat about that at all, Hanchi? No, it's a great answer. Right on. Um, so I wanted to crack that open a little. You know, I've done such limited Kabuto that it's really basic what I'm about to say, but I have been introduced to the idea that you can then take like a comma and use your wrist like a comma or use your straight arms like a bow or, you know, there's your side. Is that important or is that just a sort of linked concept that isn't really that accurate? Um, is it more the way the weapon works or is it more that you then apply it to open-handed? Um, what we say Kabuto is an extension of our 
body. So I can't hit you, you know, with my fist, but if I have a, a bow in my hand, well, that'll extend my reach and I will be able to hit you. And when we're, we're teaching, sometimes we'll equate things back to karate because that is most people's uh, base understanding. So it's easy to describe things from that perspective. Right on. So, and then, yep. Yep, but there, there are some uh, examples of, you know, hooking with your wrist, like a comma or like the techo or something like that as well, that if you have a little knowledge of that and you could apply it in your empty-handed art. But a, a lot of the movements uh, we do in Kobudo are, are exactly the same gross motor movement that we would do in karate. Right on. Um, so I want to throw this to you, Sensei Suino, and then to you, Sensei Dauphin, because um, you know you talk so much about structure in your Iaido, and then I know that's come through in our karate. Fundamentally, for me, through Sensei Dauphin and his time with you, um, where, where do you put your Iaido work compared to your empty-handed martial arts? Yeah, nothing has, for me, nothing has ever informed my structure, geometry, skeletal structure, structure. Uh, uh, specific technical positioning like EIDO. That's that's partly because it's the nature of the art, and it's partly because I had an extraordinary, you know, once in a once in a century instructor, um, and so it feeds back now. Right, uh, having developed that understanding, I can really think about how a punch is constructed or how a judo throw is constructed. Right, how to use the muscles to move the bones into position. To, to execute or to deliver great force, right? Uh, whether I can do it or not is another question, but mm -hmm. the, the analytical skills arose out of EIDO. Right on. Sensei Dauphin? Well, I'm gonna say that I had two once of the century instructors, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, a lot of things that have already been said, uh, range, like it just helps you with your range. Um, one of the things that's a big thing for me, Sean, that I've talked to you about a lot is fantasy, right? This fantasy of karate will like fix everything. It will achieve every conflict. And I always say, well, what if somebody drops an atomic bomb on your city? Is your karate going to help you with that? Well, no, it's not, right? So, <laughs> yeah, push mics do on a high block, right? Like, it's probably not going to work so good, right? So. Um, but, you know, just as Sensasuno said, structure and physics, science plays a big part for me in Kabuto and, and karate. When you throw a punch, you have to do, you have to generate uh, Newton's law with your own body, right? Mm. Match for the distance times acceleration. Whereas if you have a bow or a sword or something, you don't have to actually execute that, that principle on quite the same level, right? The end of the bow doesn't have any nerve endings. You know, if I if I threw a punch at the bag and hit it, and then took a bow and hit it with the same force and said, which one of these things do you want me to hit you with? Most people would probably say, please punch me. <laughs> like, don't hit me with that stick. Please hit me with your fist. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. Just and if I if I did it, then if I had a sword and hit it. The same way with the sword, you'd be like, I want the bring, punch, bring back the stick. With the stick, and then last will be, I want you to cut me with the comma or the sword. Those, that would be the last one that I want. 
And then if you go beyond and you said, and you shot it, right? <laughs> As Sensei uh, Mike said, right? The shotgun. So fist, stick, sword, shotgun. <laughs> that's probably, and it's all based on physics, right? Yeah. It's all just physics. Yeah, right on. Um, so Kyoshis, do you each have a favorite weapon for yourself, but also a weapon that you find students benefit from the most? Ah, favorite weapon. So I don't really have a favorite, and I was told that you shouldn't have a favorite. So I never really. My favorite is whatever one I'm using at that time. Nah. They say if you have a favorite, then you'll practice that more, and therefore the others less. So, um, but um, there in our system, bow would be the the uh, most important kind of bow is involved in mostly everything we do. And I think the bow would be, I would recommend the bow as the... That's a good base. That, that, that gets you most of your basics that are gonna translate to the other weapons. And the thing with the bow is you got two hands on the bow, right? So the hands have to work together. And in karate, we, you know, we have our arms working separately together, but different with the bow, both hands are on the bow and both the hands have to move together. So that some people find that a little harder than say you're using two size or two comma, because now they can move independently of the, of each other. Whereas with the bow, it's a little harder. Yeah, I agree. And you know, Sensei Dauphin, you know, gave that wonderful introduction and, and talked a bit, but, you know, we, we don't have a ton of time left. I'd love to just have you talk about your style and your school in terms of your style, you know, being what you fundamentally created with the blend of those styles and what you were given by Sensei Yamanaka. And even just the fact that as a kid, you're traveling so much, getting all that different stuff. So do you want to talk about that at all? What, what you call your, your exact style and, and what you would describe it as and yeah, uh, well, I mean, we're really proud of the dojo and the members, uh, especially, you know, what we've gone through, that the people have really persevered and, <clears throat> and uh, you know, everybody that's trained with us for the last 18 months have learned new katas, have gotten better at old katas, have maybe learned uh, new weapons training. Uh, so, like, they're progressing well maybe not as well as if we're in the dojo face to face but there's everybody's still really progressing um with the two of us you know the teaching where one one could face the same way as the students and the other one faces the camera really helps yeah um, that's that's super important because some people work better if you're looking at them and then some people work better and learn better if you're doing it the same direction as they are so yeah. uh, this way we can teach both <laughs> styles of learning at the same time right yes um but we're really happy with the dojo we're in our 26th year um our two main styles are okinawan goju uh, jindukan lineage and uh and matyoshi kobudo um as taught through the OKDR, which is Sensei Neil's organization, the Okinawan Kabuto Doshi Rensekai. Um, and originally we, uh, I think as most people, like when you started training, 
we would learn a kobudo kata from a seminar and bring that back to the dojo and and then we learn another kata from another seminar and bring that back and it was very eclectic and uh but now with, again with so many people going to okinawa and just in north america we have the the privilege of learning from them and uh you know we we're able to to uh focus on Matyoshi Kobodo. We always kind of did learn, it. And learn the whole system, right? Not, yeah. not just a kata that you pick up at a seminar, mm -hmm. but all of the basic techniques, all of the partner exercises, right? Everything that goes with it. Not, not just learning a kata for two hours at a seminar. Right. And you'll find and the system is awesome in that, you know, the stuff we do with the Sai, you're going to see again with the Kama. Or you're going to see, you know, the stuff we do with the bow, you're going to see again with the or and the mm -hmm. nunchi and the quay. Mm -hmm. So the, the principles are reinforced through other tools. Love that. And then, you know, before we go around the horn and then you will get the last word before our housekeeping. But I just wanted to ask, having this dojo together for all those years, you're approaching three decades. What's been the most challenging thing? The most uh, challenging, I think for me, it was probably starting. Yeah. That was, that was the most, uh, that was the most challenging thing. Um, when we, when we, when we started, he had just, he was finished school. He had just graduated um, and started working. And I was, I was still in school. I'm still mm -hmm. in university. And uh, that was, that was a challenge to, you know, to manage a, a new job for him, uh, still, you know, studying for exams, starting the dojo. Uh, we had no money. Like we had no money. Our first year of operation, we didn't even have a phone. We didn't even have a phone number for people to call us. We would print flyers on our computer and pound the pavement and, uh, you know, flyer uh, cars on in, in parking lots, hand deliver to, to mailboxes, talking to people and just doing anything we could uh, right, because photocopying, you know, 50 flyers was a lot cheaper than than getting a phone line installed. We we couldn't afford that the first year of operation. And my dad, <laughs> my dad, loaned us the down payment for the first first three months of the dojo or whatever it was. Wow. We had to pay. Uh, my 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 father, Brian Lowry. I think he's on the call. Hi, Dad. <laughs> uh, he came to uh, our very first open house, and we had flyered everything. We had been teaching um, like some after school programs. We had invited all of those people to come. Uh, some of our uh, friends, colleagues, neighboring dojos. They all kind of came to our open house to make it look, you know, like there's people there. Excitement, help us get started. And my my father was actually running the little class, the little lesson, uh, so we could uh, talk to people and try to sign them up and, you know, things, things like that. And then uh, uh, a few weeks later, uh, one of our first families that, that joined uh, came up to me and she said, oh, uh, Laura, where's that nice man? The nice man, you know, what, what nice man? She was referring to my father that she just assumed was going to be the one in charge, this, the sensei, not these two <laughs> kids teaching her kids. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for me, the, the biggest challenge was, was starting. Um, even like, even 10 years in, we were still working really, really hard. And we had students 
uh, and they'd come with us after school programs and, and teach. And I remember at our second location, the dojo, uh, someone would come in and I'd say, oh, you know, hi, you know, can I, can I help you, whatever. And they, they would look past me to some of the, the students that maybe were a little older or a little taller or whatever. They're like, oh no, you can talk to, you can talk to her. You can talk to, <laughs> uh, it's yeah. like, there she's, she's in charge. He's in charge. They're the ones, not us. Cause we were, you know, teaching people much, much older than us. And um, sometimes the, their perception was that, we were we were young. So. Yeah. You ever uh, you ever miss those times? You miss those early days of no phone and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Maybe sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was an exciting time for sure. Yeah. 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 No, I just know sometimes. I mean, I, I this isn't about me or my career, but sometimes the struggling actor one day goes, I kind of miss that. <laughs> there was something really fun and exciting about the period before you knew it was going to work. And I hear that when you two describe that, it makes me smile. <laughs> no. Um, anything you want to add to that, Kyoshi Mike, or does that sound about right to you too? No, that sounds good. I mean, just paying the bills every month was a challenge sometimes. Um, but, you know, the results of, uh, of the, the dojo uh, far away the challenges. Just like to, to thank our families and our students that have been with us all these years for believing in us. And, and our and, teachers. And, and, yeah. and encouraging us and sticking with us, um, you know, all of these years and through COVID and Zoom. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been crazy. Right on. Well, uh, Sensei Sween was going to make me pay for asking that question, but I'm so excited I did because <laughs> it took us past 10, but I love that answer and I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, so now we go around the horn and we share our thoughts with our chat. Last words will go to you and then we'll do some housekeeping. Hanchi Legacy, you want to say anything to our guests tonight? Oh, yes, I do. I see that uh, the next generation is in good hands. And... Uh, also, my grandson wanted to learn Kudo, and he came to me and said, uh, you know, uh, I would like to contribute to our dojos, and I see that we have a lot of different kata, Kubudo uh, kata, but I would like to learn a system and, and incorporate it into our dojo. He says, will you find me a sensei? And I said, no. You have to prepare your own. You have to go out and search, do research, and come back and you tell me what you want for a sensei. So after a bit of time, he came up to me and he uh, he bowed. So I knew it was going to be karate stuff. And he <laughs> bent his knee a little bit. And I, he said, I would like to train with uh, Mike Sewick. And I, I had heard of you before, and I think we've even crossed paths before. I'm not quite sure, but uh, I told him it was a good choice. And I believe it was. Thank you. Thank you, Hachi. Thanks, Hachi. Take care of him. <laughs> Sensei Suino? I know you are. I have a, a little lighter approach. All it comes out of the notion. So I know um, Randy takes a lot of notes, and I 
took quite a few notes tonight too, but I'm just going to talk about one, one thing that, that I really love um, and then bounce it back a little bit at you. Um, you know, all of our guests are so keenly aware of their place in history, right? Which is what I love about people who spend their lives in martial arts. They know the teachers who preceded them and they're keenly aware of their responsibility uh, about bringing the students up that come after them, which is wonderful. And then Hanchi Legacy said something about Japanese teachers being figurative grandparents. Well, you know, you guys started out, you, you mentioned that you met in the context of a seminar that was given by Kuniyuki Kai Sensei. Um, and I've, I've trained with him. I trained with him quite a bit, both in North America and Japan. <clears throat> and um, my favorite, so he, he was a, a, a stout fellow, incredibly strong, but very light and fast despite that. But his favorite saying, as you will remember, as soon as I say it, is no power, no power. <laughs> right? and, uh, to try to get people to be light, right? <laughs> which is something we talked about a lot tonight, not using stiffness, right? So an incredibly strong human being who was able to, and one of the things I also liked was I went to a seminar in Las Vegas and trained with him. And he taught differently than everybody else at that seminar. He would teach a whole kata and bunkai to it. If you went to a two-hour seminar with him, you'd leave with a new kata. And uh, interestingly, uh, that kata for me was seipai. So uh, really cool uh, historical loops going on here. And just the idea that you two fell in love in the, in the world of no power, no power, really. <laughs> it just really cracks me up and I love it. So thanks for sharing that story. <laughs> Sensei Suido. Uh, Sensei Dope, who I have a feeling is going to mention one of my favorite things because I think we both wrote it down. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We can both mention it. Um, I never mind if other people mention. That just reinforces the importance, right? If we all mention the same thing. But uh, uh, Kyoshi Laura said about just being small and young and shy and karate helping her with that. And that your father was the one who started your journey in karate and that he joined later after you, but everybody on this call can kind of relate to that. Like we all have either a spouse, a child, a partner, or somebody that we're sharing this thing with that we think is super important to be able to share it with them. Uh, Kyoshi Mike said uh, he always loved martial arts, was always fighting with his brothers, loved Bruce Lee. I really relate to that stuff. I was like that with my cousins. We always watched the Sunday morning stuff my older cousin Mike had like my head against the wall with his foot while he was like punching my other cousin Sean um I really like just that feeling also about making our own nunchaku everybody on this call has made their own nunchaku before um it's also super interesting that as we've already noted so many people started in judo like it's yeah. just it just keeps coming through over and over and over again and it just goes to show you how popular um, that art was and how important Kano was to have started that and pushed it around the world. So many people. Uh, it's a good image to think of you, uh, Kiyoshi Mike, trying to touch the red and white belt and running away. I remember standing with Sensei Legacy and this little kid being between us. And Sensei Legacy looked at him and said, can I help you with something? And he looked up us and said, I just like talking to you. Right, like that was, that, was his, that was his response. I just like talking to you guys, right? And so when you said about being a little kid and trying to touch the red and white belt, um, 
But I really like that you said that what you fell in love with was the precision of karate, like the precision of doing it right. Um, a bunch of us can relate to that too. I liked hearing Sensei Yamanaka's name mentioned a lot tonight. That's a name that I've heard a lot in my martial arts. Um, again, like Sensei Suino said that uh, Sensei Yamanaka brought you guys together and it was the Karasepai. I mean, if I didn't meet Sensei Legacy, I wouldn't have the kids that I have. I wouldn't have the partner that I have right now. And things would, my life would just not be the same if it wasn't for a different person um, introducing me to that. And I'm happy that Sensei Yamanaka did that for the two of you. Um, in the 10 questions, uh, Kyoshi Laura, confidence, that keeps coming up over and over again, but it, it's never come up as a weapon before. And I, I actually think it is like when you said confidence is my weapon, I'm like, of course it is like that's, <laughs> I mean, when you're confident and somebody thinks they want to do something to you and you look at them and they're like, I changed my mind, right? Like that's being confident is the thing that gives you that. Um, and then uh, Kiyoshi, Mike, you even said confidence and eye contact, right? So you just kind of reinforce that even a little more. Um, Bruce Lee keeps coming up over and over again. It was nice to see hear both of you talk about it, him. Um, you know, your difficulties, Kyoshi, Laura, uh, kids, family, uh, I can never relate to those uh, the way you relate to them. But I think it's really important if that's, I think that is probably a maximum struggle that anybody could achieve. And you're an inspiration because you did that and then you moved past it and you're still training today. And that's, we all have some struggles. Maybe there could be something that would be more of a, a struggle or a, an obstacle than that, but I can't think of one right now. So that's really important for people to hear that. Um, you know, Kiyoshi Mike, you said this, and I'm going to write this on my board. The last 20% requires 80% of the effort right? That's, that is so true, right? And we are in the last 20%. And it's only the people like us that are going to be willing to extend the last 80% of our effort for that 20%. Um, Yoshi Laura, be enthusiastic and love what you do. Like I just, that answer is so good. And that's so true. If you're enthusiastic, and you love what you do, work isn't work when you're having fun, right? Like, I mean, um, we talked about this a little bit, Sean sent it around the horn, but I like that idea of Kubuta does what karate can't, karate does what Kabuto can't, karate does what this thing can't, like just keeping everything in its place and what it can actually do and what it does for you and what it can be applied to is really good. Um, you know, I like what you said, Kyoshi Mike, when you said, my favorite weapon is the one I have in my hands. Mm -hmm or the one I don't have in my hands. Like that's now is the time, right? So if that's what I thought when you said that, now is the most important time. Um, right. Yes. And then when you just said that uh, about the challenges of starting when you were talking about that and the results outweigh the challenges, that's the truth. The results of COVID outweigh the challenges of COVID. The results, if you stick with it and you keep working. So thank you both of you for those very impactful lessons and thank you so much for your dedication to martial arts and um yeah i'm just 
you you exceeded all the expectations of chatting with you tonight every expectation i had has been exceeded mm. and i'm grateful for that so thank you so much thank you yeah i just the, the two things i really want to add to are just the the, the last 20 percent takes 80 percent. that just i wrote that on a massive piece of paper it's going up there too and then also the act confident idea and i thought about it in a way that you said it kiyoshi laura like you know one of the ideas that helps keep me and a lot of people sober is fake it till you make it and Sometimes you don't know what faith is. Sometimes you don't know what the next day is going to hold, but you just got to, you just got to fake even that you have faith. You just got to fake even that you might be okay. And then you end up being okay. And, and the actual confidence grows underneath it. You create a little shelter for yourself to grow within. And, and I really felt that when you were talking about that. And I appreciated that reminder for not just martial arts, but all important aspects of my life. Um, such a pleasure. Wow. What a great chat. I really did get goosebumps a number of times with different things people said. And I really felt that pure backseat vibe of, wow, I just get to sort of like, you know, shout out navigation to the front seat while the masters chat. And I really appreciate that. Every time our show feels that way, I feel like we're sort of hitting our original intent and it, uh, it feels like a special night. Uh, do you two want to go out on anything before I throw it to Sensei Dolphin for housekeeping? I always want to thank you guys for what you do. Uh, you know, this is something, you know, training happens in the dojo, but maybe the real training happens when you're not in the dojo. That This is an example of that. Keeping the, uh, I mean, documenting the stories and the masters and the pioneers that we have in this, uh, in this country and, and in North America and in the world. I, Yes, I love what you said about um, history, right? And that's one thing we like about your show is that we're finding out other people's story. And I think that's really important, not just an accomplishment. I won this at this time, yeah. or this yeah. rank, but their, their story is, yeah. is so interesting. And uh, it's funny to see how so many of us are connected in different ways. Uh, with judo or the katsuseipai or something like that right it's it's yeah. it's very interesting and um yeah i learned a lot tonight too thanks so much for that that is so much what we are trying to do you know anybody can look up a year on google or wikipedia but to know what something felt or smelt like we're lucky enough to be able to ask the people and that includes you uh sensei dofan tell us what's coming up so next week we're off the worst week of every every four weeks is the week <laughs> we're not here. We always are like, we need to take one week off. And then we're like, on that Thursday, we're all messaging you. Nah. Like, when the hell did we decide that we needed to take this week off? But anyway, so we're off. We're off on Thursday. And then we're coming back um, after next Thursday with a host chat, which I just always like it. They're yeah. just a blast. They're just yeah. super fun. Um, Mostly I like it because we get to talk to each other, but also because we get to turn people's cameras on. I hope, I hope Kiyoshi Mike and Kiyoshi Laura come back, ask a question. Let's chat again. Like when we do the host chat, um, it's the chance for everybody to get in there and get their question in and share their view, which we all learn from. But then we have uh, Shihan Bill Adams uh, from Buffalo, New York, longtime friend of uh, Hanchi Legacies. Um, Ishin Ryu Karate practitioner, high ranking, really, really good at Kabuto, also a Chinese Tai Chi, um, and just an awesome man, personally. Like, I've known him, like, as 
long as I've been in martial arts, which is 33 years. And then we also have uh, Sensei Fumio Demura, like, and I'm not going to pontificate about him too much. If, if you're on the call and you don't know who Sensei Demura is, then again, like, don't join us and you're a loss. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And thanks to everybody, the people who help us do this and all the new people who joined in tonight, really good to see so many new names uh, joining. And that's probably as a result of Kyoshi Mike and Kyoshi yeah. Laura. A lot of their students are joining in and yeah. hope you keep joining in. Absolutely. For, to our new guests, whether you join just for tonight or not, good on you to support your instructors or people you're curious about. And we do hope to see you again. If you're watching on YouTube now or later, smash that subscribe button, smash that like button, throw us a comment, tell, let us know what you thought. Does, you might not agree with everything we're saying. You might not like it. Let's, let's have a chat about that in the comments. Why not? Uh, and, and since Adolfo alluded to this, I want to thank Robert Schlemsky, Mike Russell, Victoria Feth, Justin Shea, Alden Adair, Andre Sedeshev for all the work behind the scenes, helping punch, kick, choke, chat, be a presence online and technically running tonight. Thanks, everybody. Y'all are the best. Thank you, Kyoshi Mike, Kyoshi Laura. What a pleasure. Thank you, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Good night, Good night. Thank you. Good night. Thanks. Thanks.